which isn't saying a lot, so there's still room to grow, but we're, it's nice to have you here. We doing good today? Everyone feeling good? Over here in the cheap seats, we're doing good? Awesome. <laughs> Got to show up early. You want the, well, there's still a whole front row right here, so those are, the, those are the people who really show up late, have to sit in the front row, or, or Dennis. Um, if you're watching online, thanks for joining us today. We are going to be finishing up our series on the book of Philippians. If I have not met you, my name is Jeff Kerr. My wife, Christy, and I are the pastors here. Um, I would love to meet you after the service. Philippians chapter 4, if you brought your Bibles, and I always love it when people bring their Bibles to church. I'll say it again. It's just a great opportunity for you to, whatever Bible you have at home, to make a few notes, underline some things. That's allowed. And then during the week, you can kind of reread these things and kind of go over some of the notes and just allow really God's word to kind of be part of your life more than just on Sunday mornings. That's one of the goals we have around here. But we're going to be in the book of Philippians um, chapter 4 as we start today. Colonel already mentioned it. Some of the songs we were singing today talking about joy, especially that song that talked about he gives us a garment of praise, uh, fullness of joy. That comes from the, a, a verse in Isaiah chapter 63 verse 1 that he gives us a garment of praise for our spirit of heaviness. It's that great trade that the Lord offers us. Uh, we bring our worries, our cares, our burdens to him, and, and we offer them to him, and he takes those and just gives us fullness of joy, a garment of praise. That's a great, that's a great visual. And I have found that I've needed that this week. And anyone else needed that a little bit? Maybe feeling a little heaviness going around. Just There's kind of the, the general heaviness of the last two years I think we're all kind of getting a little weary of. We feel it, right? Everyone's a little punchy. Everyone's a little quick to get argumentative. We're just all a little stressed out. We've had a tough week in our church family, a loss of a, a close friend of ours a couple of weeks ago. So that's been another kind of weird heaviness. All these other conflicts going around, and, 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 now, and now Russia, you know, doing what Russia does. I'm not, a couple weeks ago when it first started, I was almost just like, you know, kind of jokingly like, really? Now, Russia of all times, we got a lot going on. We, you know, it's like the whole world looked and said, read the room, Russia. We could do the, without this right now. Um, we are praying for that situation. I encourage you to just keep praying for a peaceful resolution there, a quick peaceful resolution there. We're praying for that. We, um, at times when we feel helpless, we recognize the thing that is most powerful is our ability to pray, to bring God into this situation. So I encourage you to do that. But there's this heaviness that we've been feeling um, in our world, in our community, in our church. And as we wrap up our series on Philippians 4 today, I just think it's so perfect that the timing worked out like this because Philippians chapter 4 just speaks so profoundly to our season of weakness or weariness or heaviness. It's almost like Paul, you know, and maybe it's just because I was looking through uh, at it through this lens this week, but it's almost like Paul, who wrote this book in the New Testament, was kind of giving us a roadmap or what I'll call a, a recipe today for that spirit of heaviness. And so I want to jump right in today. We're going to look at a few things that really Paul wrote. Um, and as we've gone through this series, um, we've talked about a few different things, how uh, first week, Philippians chapter 1, to live is Christ and to die is gain, recognizing that we live for Jesus. That is the ultimate reason we are here, to live for him, and our hope is in heaven. To live now is in Christ. To die is gain because we'll be in heaven. Second week, we talked about how Jesus, even though he was God's son, in fully, he was fully man and fully God, he humbled himself. He became a servant for us. Uh, last week, Christy talked about this idea, no confidence in the flesh, how Paul was writing to these first century Christians who were kind of stuck in this weird mode of salvation through Jesus alone, but yet all the Old Testament rules and rituals and 
circumcision and dietary laws and all of these things. And there are people saying, well, yeah, you're saved by faith in Jesus Christ, but you still have to do all of these things. And, and how we in our church world today, we like to do the same thing. We're saved in, by faith in Jesus Christ, but we still need to make sure we're doing all the right things. And well, Christians don't do that and Christians don't do that. And how destructive that can be. And we recognize it is by grace through faith that we are saved. And that was last week. And if you want to catch up on these, they're all on our, you can find all these sermons on our website. But today, Philippians chapter 4, the roadmap or the recipe for this spirit of heaviness, and I want to start with Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, says this, Rejoice in the Lord. I will say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. We're going to stop there just for a second. That verse, rejoice in the Lord. It's like when Paul was writing this now. You might know this, you might not. We've talked about this a couple of times. Where is Paul when he's writing this letter? He's in prison. So he has been imprisoned for his faith, and he's writing this letter to this early church in the city of Philippi. This is what's happening, and he's writing, rejoice in the Lord. He's writing to a group of people that are starting to face persecution for their faith. A lot of the people he's writing to are very poor, kind of the outcasts of society. Some of them are. And so he's writing to a lot of people that have a lot of reasons to not rejoice. And so it's like he knows our excuses right away. It's like if Paul were here, he'd say, rejoice in the Lord. And we'd all say, what? With everything going on, like, when are we supposed to rejoice? Always. He said, it's like he's solving our arguments for us. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. And we're like, what? With everything going on? And he'll say, I'll say it again. For the people in the back, rejoice. He has to reiterate it because he, he realizes we might be a little slow on this one. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. The first thing, if you have a heavy heart, if you are walking through a season of weariness or whatever it is, the first thing that we need to do is just have a heart of thanksgiving to God. Right? Amen? A heart of thanksgiving. The first thing with a heavy heart is to rejoice in the Lord. That's the first thing on our recipe today. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. It is significant. It is powerful when our lives are lived with a attitude and a posture of worship. When we live with a posture of thanksgiving and praise, where our first response is, God, I'm going to worship you no matter what. There is something powerful that happens there. Right? Worship is designed to lift our spirits. Now, here's the deal. When we come in and we sing songs on a Sunday morning, that's part I mean, that's what worship is. But worship is way bigger than that. Worship is our attitude throughout our whole week. But when we have that attitude of worship and when we come into church and we sing songs of praise and worship to God, it is designed to lift our spirits. Now, that's not why we do it. Okay, so sometimes we're like, okay, God, I'm going to worship you, so you better, you know, you better fill me with all the good feelings and make sure all the circumstances are good and all of these things. We don't do it to get something. We worship God because he is worthy. He deserves it. He is holy. He is God. That's why we respond in worship on a Sunday morning. But the side benefit, the, the, the extra thing, is that our spirits are always lifted. Our spirits are always lifted. It changes our perspective. If we walk into this place today feeling fearful about everything that's going on in our world, in our community, and we're singing songs about the power of God and his righteousness and his ability to perform miracles, that's going to change our perspective. That's what we're doing on a Sunday morning. So if you thought we were just kind of killing 15 minutes by standing and staring at a screen while somebody next to us sings a song, what we're doing is allowing you to have an opportunity to respond in worship 
collectively, all of us together, and that lifts our spirits. And I could see it maybe happening for a few of you this morning, right? You had a smile on your face. You were responding. I want us to grow in that. Again, not first service. That was something. There was a lot of standing and staring at the screen first service this morning. Again, there's still room to go. Silver medal, you know, second service. That's where we're at right now. Um, There is something that, that's why we're doing that. It changes our perspective. So we walk in feeling fearful and anxious, and we sing about a powerful God. That changes us. We walk in feeling like a failure, like we've messed up, and we sing about the mercy and the love of God. That changes our perspective. That shifts our focus where it should be. If we're feeling isolated, alone, we recognize, we sing these songs about an ever-present loving God. This is what we're doing on Sunday mornings. We're allowing these songs, we're giving God the praise he deserves, and we're allowing this time of worship together to lift our countenance. So hopefully, when you walk out of this room, you're feeling a little bit more inspired to face your life with your focus fixed on an almighty, powerful God. That's what we're doing in this time of worship. And I want us to talk about this just a minute. You know, this thing that we just did, we sang songs, we worshiped. A lot of times we come in and our worship is a response. It can be a good thing when our worship is in response, when we recognize what God has done. So part of worship is recognizing what God has done and responding accordingly. We recognize his faithfulness and we respond. We recognize his goodness and we respond. But the bad side of that is when our response to God has to do with our feelings. So God, until I feel better, then I'll respond. You know, if things are going better, then I'll respond. I don't want to sing about the evidence of your goodness because nothing's good going on right now. That's the bad side of a response. So I want us to shift our thinking. In addition to recognizing what God has done and responding, what we do with our worship is almost like, um, it's a bad term to use, but almost like a weapon against the enemy. Our praise and worship is almost like this offensive thing that we're doing. I'm coming in and I'm weary and I'm going to worship because I know that is bringing the power of God into my situation. I'm going to come in and I'm going to sing about the faithfulness of God because I know that's lifting my countenance. It's causing my mind to focus. And when we do it together, when the people around you are lifting up their hands and lifting up their voices and singing praises, it's edifying. It is a, it's a weapon that we have to just lift our spirits, to cause our minds to be reminded that God is good, that God is faithful. So when we sing on a Sunday morning, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you, maybe participate a little more, right? Some of you are doing great. And I know that singing in church, for whatever reason, you go into other environments where someone's singing, and it's not a nervous thing. You know, if you go into anywhere and people are singing, typically you're not just like, oh, what are we doing, right? There's me. Now, this is going to be weird for some of the Scandinavians here, but there's even room to be like, hey, this feels okay, right? This is all right. We could even do that. But for some reason in church, it's like there's words on the screen, and I'm going to, oh, let's just get this over with. This is awkward. I don't know why that is. We try real hard to just make it not awkward. Um, but And there's words on the screen of songs that you've sung a million times, but you're still going to be like, i got to stare at these words because that's the only place to look because nobody make eye contact with me. For what, I want us to rid that kind of weird kind of like awkward tense. Can we do that? Can we work on that a little bit? It's just a little bit like this is okay. We're singing songs. Even if you're a terrible singer, let's sing some songs. It's okay to sing. Lift up your hand. What? 
heart. Lift up your hand a little bit, close your eyes and say, God, this is a posture of worship that I am going to respond. And when we all do that, it's going to feel great. I just know it, right? I just know it's going to feel, I want us to respond in worship. I want us to rejoice in the Lord. More than just Sunday, but on Sunday mornings, let's participate. Let's grow in it. Let's clap our hands. Let's maybe even move a little bit, okay? I know this is crazy, but we can do it. We can do it. It's designed to lift your spirits. Some of you still, it's not happening for you on Sunday mornings, but it's designed to do that. I want us to get there. I want us to respond in worship. I want us to insert that pray, almost like defiant worship in the midst of our circumstances, right? I love the times in scripture where people are facing battles and they're like, I'm going to, I'm going to worship. I'm going to worship. It's like, that's the most important thing I can do. Bringing God into this situation, allowing my mind to be, have the right perspective and my eyes fixed where it should be on my powerful God. Amen. All right. So before we move on to the next thing out, there's another part to that verse. First part was rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. And then it said, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. That seems like a weird thing. And Paul's almost writing it in the context of having this heart of worship. And then it's like, let your gentleness be evident to all. That felt weird to me. I kind of wanted to study it a bit because the word gentle just kind of feels weird, right? When you you hear the word gentle, you might think, well, kind of maybe a little wimpy and quiet, you know, like a daisy, you know, just gentle. And I was like, I don't want to be that. I don't want that to be evident to all, right? But really, the, the, the definition of gentleness, and I have this up on the screen. There's a couple big words. Well, one, it's hard to say. The, the definition in this Bible context is this. Gracious patience, hard to say. Say that five times. Gracious patience, gracious patience, with a spirit of magnanimity. Big word there. Gracious patience, but not a pushover. It's not weakness, right? It's almost like we're saying another definition would be quiet confidence, being strong, being bold, but not feeling like you got to prove it all the time, right? Quiet confidence. We're at peace. We're confident because of our faith in God, and that just brings like a settled spirit. Another translation has the word reasonableness, which is a weird word. Reasonable. Another word you're like, huh, boring. I don't want to be reasonable, but that word means balanced, steady, right? Just confident, secure, This is what it is talking about. Now, this idea of quiet confidence. Lately, I've noticed we like to do the opposite, right? We like to freak out about everything and be super loud about it. Let everybody know what's going on. Let everybody know how we're arguing with them and all of these things. We get so quick to argue, so quick to feel insecure, super quick to get defensive, to accuse others, to fear about stuff, to jump to conclusions and allow these assumptions that might only exist in our mind to raise our level of stress, and we are anything other than just that quiet confidence that Paul is talking about. Almost like we're looking for reasons to feel threatened and anxious. Just looking for, oh, there, I I know I'm feeling stressed. What is it? Oh, there it is. That's what it is. That's what it is. This was illustrated well on a trip that I took a few years ago up to Canada, up to my homeland, uh, for a family funeral. So I had my rental car there. I was at the funeral home um, one night for the visitation. And as I was leaving the funeral home, I was pulling out of the parking lot. And uh, I had to make a left-hand turn. But the sign there said, no left-hand turns allowed. Only right-hand turns, right? And I'm like, well, that's silly. Because just, I just got to go across a couple. I don't respond well in those moments. It's one of my shortcomings where I'm thinking clearly a left turn is possible. There's nobody here. 
why is this sign here? The sign guy had too much time on his hands. Um, so I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. So I made the left-hand turn. No big deal, right? <sighs> Some of you are ready to leave the church. Um, and as soon as I did, I start driving down the street, and there's someone at an intersection, and they start flashing their lights at me. And I'm like, what? Come on. It's very non-Canadian. Like, what are you doing? You know? And so I'm like, eh, big deal. It was a left-hand turn. You don't need to get all up. You know, I felt like, man, this person's freaking out over a left-hand turn. So I turn down another street. They're following me behind me and still flashing their lights at me. And I'm like, what is the deal? You're being crazy. And then they're, it's Tulane. They're pulling up beside me, and they're pointing at me. And I'm like, you've lost your mind. Like, I'm like, you are a crazy person. And they just keep going, and it's just getting heated and heated. And I felt like this person's being ridiculous. Like, it's no big deal. Almost like what I'm talking about today, just looking for a reason to be mad. And then they pulled away. This went on for a while, probably to the point where we were probably causing hazards to those other cars on the road. But they pulled away, and I was like, man, that person was crazy. And then about 10 seconds later, I realized, oh, my lights aren't on. They were just trying to tell me that my headlights weren't on and that I was driving in the dark. So who was the crazy person? This guy was the crazy person, right? It was one of those things. I was so quick to be ready to fight, and they're just trying to tell me. They're being very Canadian. They're just trying to tell me that my headlights were not on and that I should turn them on. So that was an illustration of that, what not to do. That is not quiet confidence. I think what Paul is saying in this, in this verse, after rejoice in the Lord always, I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be, be evident to all. I think what Paul is saying to us is that quiet confidence in us begins when we just posture our hearts in worship. When we recognize there's always a reason to rejoice. There's always a reason to give thanks. There's always a good time to put our focus on our God and draw strength from him in the midst of the turmoil that's all around us. So that's the first thing on the recipe today for a heavy heart is rejoice in the Lord. Next verse, uh, verse 6, I want to read that. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The next thing on the recipe for a heavy heart is this. Don't be anxious, pray. Don't be anxious, pray. When you feel anxious, pray about it. Things that come up that fill you with fear, pray about it. What do we do? We dwell on it. We fixate on it. We replay it. We, that's all we think about all day. Instead, if there's something that's causing you to feel anxious every day, take a moment and pray about it. And then what do we do? We recognize that when we prayed about it, we gave it to God. That's what prayer is. God, I need you to take care of this. I need your help with this. God, could you please help me with this? And God takes it, and God's working on it, and God is moving. God, in a lot of these things, God's the only, only one that's going to make a difference is God being able to move in this situation. So we give it to God in prayer. And then we let him have it, okay? Not let him have it. We let him keep our requests. Instead, we tend to try to take it back. Oh, I got to worry about it some more. I got to worry about it some more. The next day, that same fear is going to come up, and you start dwelling on it again. Instead, remember, I prayed about it. I gave this to God. Now I'm going to think about other things. I'm going to allow the peace of God to be in my life because I have prayed about it rather than spiraling around in anxiety. If there's something that's making you anxious, pray about it and then give it to God and stop taking it back from God. 
because he's not handling it the way you want. Let God work in that situation. And in the meantime, we can have what it says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. The peace of God that, pers- that passes all understanding. What that means is it doesn't make sense, but yet we feel peaceful. It, it means that every, there's every reason to not feel peaceful, but yet we do. All your friends are saying, how can you be so calm right now with all this going on? Yeah, I know, it doesn't make sense. But the peace of God, which is above human understanding, is guarding my heart in Christ Jesus. This is what happens when we will pray with it. You might have difficult things that you need to deal with or conversations that you need to have. Do the hard thing, pray about it, and then let God keep it. And stop worrying about it. And if it comes up again, say, no, I'm prayed about it. God, it's yours. I'm not going to dwell on it. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That word guard is really like a mil- if you look at the original language, it's a military reference, like an actual guard. Like God is putting soldiers around your heart and your soul and your mind, and they are watching over it, saying nothing's getting past us. That's cool, right? That's a cool visual of God. When we give things to God, he's saying, I'm going to put my, I'm going to guard your heart in Christ Jesus so that nothing's getting in. Now, we can still let things in, and we do that too often. We still dwell on the things. We still dwell on the things that are giving us anxiety. But don't be anxious. Pray about it. Let God deal with it. Let God handle it. And that's probably going to free up so much headspace if we would do that from all the time we spend worrying about stuff. It's like clearing off stuff out of a hard drive on a computer. It's like, what, what do I do with all this space now? You're thinking, well, what am I going to spend my days thinking about? It's a great question. I'm glad you asked. I'll love to tell you. Next verse. Verse 8. Here's what we're supposed to think about instead. Verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So what are we supposed to think about? Instead of all the things that are filling us with anxiety, we think about what is pure. What is noble, what is right, what is lovely, what is admirable, what is excellent or praiseworthy? So the question is, what are you putting into your mind? What are you allowing your mind to be filled with? Whether it's media, whether it's conversations, whether it's just the thoughts that you continue to fixate on, what are you putting into your mind? Let's just even think about media, internet, news coverage. Are you filling your mind with just anxiety and bad and bad news all day? You know, those things. Pure. Whatever is noble and true and right and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy, none of those things are in The Bachelor, right? I made that joke earlier for my daughter. I don't know if she's in the room right now, right? What are we filling our minds with? If it's just bad news in all the time, of course you're going to start to feel anxious, right? But let's find reasons to think about the good. There's always bad stuff that we can think about, and there's always something good that we can dwell on, and this is a discipline in our mind. Let's focus on some of the good things. Let's focus on some of the things that bring us joy. If you are weary and burdened and anxious and feel like you're at the end of your rope, you might be spending too much time thinking about the wrong stuff. Fix your minds on the things that are praiseworthy. And again, you can't just ignore the difficult things like, I'm not going to think about that. That's bad. My house is on fire, and I don't want to think about that, so look at how blue the sky is today. That's good, right? It's not that. It's not just ignoring. Do the difficult things. There's things that you have to deal with, and you can't just ignore it. 
But then let's spend, make sure we're spending time thinking about the things that are praiseworthy, that are good, that are admirable, recognizing there is good around us, right? Next, so that was the third thing. Think about the good. Fourth thing, next verse, verse 11. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. It's a very popular verse that you'll see a lot. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. A lot of times the the football quarterback will have it written on the little under-eye black stuff like Philippians 4 or 13, like I can do all things. And that can apply to doing something difficult and winning the game or doing all the sporty things or whatever it is or doing something difficult. But really, when you think about it in this context, boy, how impactful is that? I can do all things through Christ, meaning no matter what happens in my life, in my world, I can be content. And that's the fourth thing. Be content in everything. Be content in everything. Paul is saying, I'm not saying any of these things because I'm in need. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Remember where Paul is? He's in prison, and he's writing this, yet he's saying, because of Jesus Christ, I can do all things through him who gives me strength, so I can be joyful. I can be content. I can be glad in any situation. Content is another word that gets a bad rap. When you hear the word content, what do you think of? You might start to think of uh, I guess I'll just settle for this, right? Anyone think like that when you think content? Well, I guess this will have to do, right? I guess I'll be content. I wish I had all these things, but all I get is this. That's not what content means. What contentedness or content means is looking around saying, what I have is great. What I have is more than enough to live joyfully. What I have is enough to realize that God is giving me everything I need and more than enough to have peace and joy and fulfillment in my life. That is being content. Discontentedness, always looking for something else, is just going to be like a little anxiety factory in your life. Like, oh, if it was only different, if only I could get there, then I'll worship. If only I could get there, then I'll be happy. You're never going to get to there where everything is just great. Be content where you are. Content is focusing on what you have instead of what you don't have. Pretty straightforward. Recognizing all the good things that God has given you right now that have every reason for you to be joyful. It can be a job. It can be a house. It can be friends. It can be a spouse. That rhymes. It's kind of like Dr. Seuss, right? I'll be content here or there. I will be content anywhere. I'll be content with who I am. I'll be content with green eggs and ham. Who said it? Someone, yes. Again, first service was nowhere near that. I was hoping for green eggs and ham. Thank you. <laughs> uh, just a side note, though, on content. Content does not mean stuck. Content does not mean, well, I'm just not going to do anything. Content is not God calling you to take a big step of faith and be like, oh, I'm fine where I am, or uh, a big, you know, what could be a risky move career-wise where you feel like, yeah, I want to do this or an adventure you want to go on and be like, oh, it's probably safer here. I'll just be content here. Don't get stuck thinking you're being content. Content is not stuck. Be courageous. Be, take steps of faith. Live adventurously. But content is an attitude of the heart that no matter what you go through, you realize, I have everything I need for joy. I have everything I need for peace. Whatever happens to me, I am good through Christ who gives me strength. Recognize the good in your life. 
Recognize that it's enough to cause you to rejoice. And I'll say it again, rejoice. Finally, the last part, verse 15. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of, our, of your acquaintance with the gospel when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. So what Paul is saying here is when he first started out on this missionary journey, traveling around, witnessing, making disciples, preaching the gospel, planting churches, when he first started out, he's saying nobody supported him financially except you. He's like, when I first started out, you were the only ones who shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving. So he's thanking them for being the church. That, it's basically saying, you guys have been with me since the beginning. Thank you for supporting me. And then it goes on in verse 18. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. This is the final part in our recipe for the cure for a heavy heart, and that is this. Be generous. Be generous. Be a giver. Be a giver. Be someone who gives freely of your time to help others. Be someone who gives freely of your resources to help others. Your attention, your care for people. Be a giver. If you want to know the 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 cause of a lot of anxiety and heaviness of heart is where we start to get so self-focused that we're like, I got to keep everything for myself. I got to only look out for myself. That You think that's the way to kind of protect yourself. You're just feeding that worry. Ever, ever realize that you, the more you get stressed about, I got to make sure I have enough, I got to make sure I have enough, that just raises the anxiety level. I want, I've said this before. Here's how it works in God's economy, whether we're talking about our actual dollars or other resources, or our time, or whatever it is, we say, God, you have given me everything I have, so I'm going to freely give it to other people. I'm going to be generous with my time and my resources. And I'm going to trust, as it says, what Paul said, that God will supply, uh, meet all your needs according to the riches in Christ Jesus. So as I live freely to give generously and to live generously, I'm trusting that God is going to then pour into me and provide what I need so that I can live generously and so that he can provide. This is what we believe about, you know, giving in church. We want to give generously to the church, to other missionaries, to other people. Say, I'm giving generously because I know God's going to provide as opposed to trying to keep everything for ourselves. Does that make sense? The cure to a heavy heart is what Paul is saying here is, your gifts are like a fragrant offering pleasing to God, and God is going to meet all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Be a giver. The flow of resources should be out. The time that you spend caring for others should be generously given, knowing that God is going to provide what you need. Are you stressing about resources in your life? Be a giver. Give generously. Allow God to provide for you. And then also what that does when we kind of release the control of resources in our life, what that does is it frees us up from that feeling like we got to manage it all ourselves. We bring God into the picture and we recognize he's way better at providing for me than I am. Right? He's way, are you in a better spot trying to manage all the things yourself and trying to make all the ends meet yourself? Or are you in a better spot where you say, God, it's all yours. You're going to provide everything I need. There is a release of stress that comes with that, that we just, I want you all to experience. Give generously to other people. 
Put your focus where it should be, not on any shortfall or on any circumstance or the, the economy or what's happening with the financial markets around the world. What's above that is God's ability supply, to supply everything you need. That's what's above everything. That surpasses human understanding, God's ability to provide for you. So get your focus there, and that is going to allow the stress and the cares of this world to melt away. So as we wrap up today, we got a few minutes left. Here's what I want to do. I want us to kind of, we got that recipe up on the screen. There's those five things. Rejoice in the Lord. Have an attitude of thanksgiving all the time. Don't be anxious, but instead pray. Think about the good things. Be content in everything and be generous. So there's probably one of those or a couple of them that maybe jump out to you in your circumstances today. And here's where I just want us to take a time to just pray and just allow the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God to come and maybe just speak something to you. So here's what I want us to do. Could we do this? Let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and I'm just going to kind of go through these things and just start thinking about these things. Apply these things to the circumstances in your life. Rejoice in the Lord. Is there a way for you to just bring a spirit of thankfulness and gratefulness to God into your life? Could you grow in your response in worship? In your response of just recognizing that God has been good and being thankful and worshiping Him and praising Him for all He's done. The next one, don't be anxious, but pray about it. Don't be anxious, pray about it. What is causing you to be stressed out? What is it in your world that is just that thing that just keeps tugging at your heart, filling you with fear, anxiety, and worry? The thing that you think of first when you wake up in the morning, the thing that you think, if I could only just get through this, things would be so much better. Rather than dwelling on it, just give it to God right now. God, we give you our cares and our worries. We heed the words of Scripture. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, we present our requests to you. You are the God that wants to hear our concerns and our worries, so we give them to you today. Just tell them what that is today. It's, Lord, if it's a situation in your family, Lord, I give that to you. My marriage, I give that to you, God. Financially, God, I give that to you. Physical healing, stresses of this world, conflict in the world, the economy, everything that just fills us with worry right now, God, we give it to you. We're not anxious about it. We give it to you. next one is dwell on the good. What are you filling your minds with? What are you fixating on throughout the day? What are some things that you could let go that are just little bad news factories in your life that is just filling your mind with worry? And instead, we want to fixate on the good. So maybe take some time right now and recognize the goodness in your life. God, your mercy and your love. Family and friends. blessings that you've given us that we see, God, there is reason for good. There is reason to look at the good things that you've given us. The fact that we know we are cared for no matter what. The fact that we know our home is in heaven when we are done with this earth. That is good. We think about that, Lord. We praise you and we thank you. Help us to dwell on the good more than the bad. Help us to give our cares to you and focus on all the good things that are around us. To bring life and joy and optimism and happiness to the world around us. Next one, be content with what you have. Be content. What is there in your life that is causing a spirit of discontent where you're thinking, if I could only have this different, if I could only have this different, and recognize where you are right now, you have everything you need. 
you have everything you need. And finally, be generous with others. Be generous. We want to be givers, Lord. Where is there an area of your life that you could kind of focus on other people more? To give of your time and your resources more. To let go of this managing your own life so tightly that you're just stressing yourself out. But recognize that God will supply all of your needs according to his riches. He has no shortfall, no no, uh, problem providing for anything that you need. There is no lack with our God. He's not running out of ways to provide. Lord, maybe there's just a few people here that just need to kind of take a deep breath and recognize you are above it all. You're going to provide no matter what. We're going to be content no matter what. We're going to pray about these things no matter what. And we're going to live anxious free and we're going to focus on the good, recognizing that you are moving in our life. Thank you, Lord. I pray for this church. I pray for all the people here, whether in the room or watching online today, that you would just move in our hearts. May we set aside this heaviness and pick up the joy of the Lord. May we be light to the world around us because even though it doesn't make sense, we have peace and joy because of Jesus Christ. Help us to respond in worship and thanks and praise. Lord, we thank you for this time. I thank you for this church that we are a part of, just that being a part of your church, the body of believers, the fellowship that we have, the encouragement that we can give to one another pray that you would cause us to grow as a church in our Christ-likeness. Help us to impact our world and our community. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you for being here today. I would love to meet you after the service if you're new here. We're going to have some prayer teams up at the front before you go. If you would like to have someone pray for you for something specifically, we're going to have some people up front who would love to pray with you. Otherwise, God bless you. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week.